Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. From Variety, celebrating 115 years covering the business of entertainment, this is the Award Circuit Podcast. It couldn't come if it does at a better time because, you know, I've had two kids, I've been working in this industry for so long, and like, I would just, it would, it would mean so much to my family, too. So it's just, it would just be so so fun to celebrate because I know my friends and family just, they've been waiting for a long time. (laughs) Kirsten Dunst is getting some Oscar buzz this year for her performance in Netflix's The Power of the Dog, and she could get that long overdue Oscar nomination that fans have been asking for. I'm Clayton Davis. On this season premiere episode of the film edition of the Variety Award Circuit podcast, we talked to Kirsten Dunst about her critically acclaimed performance in Jane Campion's The Power of the Dog. Working with an outstanding cast that includes Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons, and what's next for her in the future. We also sit down with Red Rocket star Simon Rex about his role in Sean Baker's new film from A24, where he talks about his comeback in the acting business. But first, our Ward Circuit panel is back discussing the New York Film Festival and all the Oscar buzz that's been building the last few weeks at all of them. It's all happening right now on the film edition of the Variety Award Circuit podcast. Stay close. Hey everyone, we're back. Back to film season. It is the return of the Variety Award Circuit Podcast Roundtable Film Edition. I'm your your pal, Michael Schneider. Joining me back here is Mr. Clayton Davis. Clayton. That's Sir Clayton Davis. I am a knight. Sir Clayton <laughs> Davis. And also excited to have back in the mix Janelle Riley. Janelle. Hi, can I be your pal too? Absolutely. You're Yay. my pal. Who uh, was in Hawaii a number of times, I feel like, this summer? Living your best life? <laughs> Only three. Come on. Okay. Okay. Not bad. And, and to clarify, it's to see family. It is not the vacation that everyone thinks. No, no that, I mean, absolutely. Family, can, family could be vacation, too, though. That's Never. Funny. Or maybe not. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And, and that voice covering from the front lines of what's going on with IATSE right now, the one and only Jazz Tanke. Jazz. That's Lady Jazz to you, because Clayton's a sir, then I'll be a lady. Lady well, Jazz Tanke. Michael and I are just plebes. 
<laughs> we are just plebes. We're I'm, and and, uh, and here I am now, just because I I don't have access to all these films that all of you have. So I'm just going to have to sit back for a bit and hear about what's going on, what's hot, what's not, how the festival circuit's been going. Clayton, you've been racking up those frequent flyer miles. So where have you been? <laughs> what have you been up to? Yeah. What what, uh, what have you seen, man? Yeah, here comes uh, the recap of the world in like 90 seconds or less. Um, so I think we can all start with. Uh, Telluride getting the first kind of picks of big films like Come On, Come On, Belfast, King Richard, and Cyrano that all got world premieres at the same exact time. That schedule was treacherous. Uh, With two people from Variety there on staff there to (laughs) cover it all. Um, uh, We've all seen King Richard here. Not Mike. Yes, love yes, but, loved but, it. But, listen, this is us all Weeping. feeding it to Mike to know what's coming. So, Mike, here's uh, what yeah. you need to know. <laughs> Will Smith's going to win an Oscar this year, probably. I know nothing uh, about tennis. I know nothing about the Williams family. I loved this movie so much. It's great. Uh, and I'm the opposite. I'm obsessed with tennis. I remember when Venus won her first Wimbledon. I remember when Serena won her first Wimbledon. I used to see, you know, King Richard in the stands thinking, who is this crazy guy this film just totally is an homage to him it is a you know incredible story of determination and yes he is coming for the oscar did it scratch that itch jazz as someone who loved tennis who watched tennis did it feel legit did it feel like this was a accurate representation absolutely a hundred percent and it totally made me get back onto the tennis court the following day i booked a call no I was way. Like, yeah i hadn't been playing for like two or three weeks and and the inspiration of you know it's venus's story really too and that was just like yeah let me get out there and hit some balls jazz and jazz is in the in the youth league now what, what, what was that called <laughs> what was that league that she was in that didn't play a match which, by the um, way, I never really knew like you could do. Like, I, they, that, some of that part became really interesting in the story about being pro but not being pro. The yeah. only, um, if I have one objection, it's not even an objection. It's just a note I'm going to make. I would have called this movie King Richard and Queen Brandy because their mother is just as important. I feel in this yeah. narrative, and you know, this whole cast is so fantastic. From, from top to bottom. Uh, Sanaya Sidney, who plays the young oh. Venus, is on our 10 Actors to Watch this year. Very easy call. Uh, from top to bottom, uh, John Barenthal uh, plays Rick Macy. It's, it's a, I've never seen him in a role like this. You know, kind of like a little, little bit geeky, a little bit, you know, put yeah, upon. Not, not a mean yeah. guy. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. quite the opposite. And it's it's very, been a long time since Walking Dead. <laughs> very frustrated. <laughs> Um, by, by Will Smith's Richard. Um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's just great from top to bottom. Yeah. That's all. So does Will Smith do the theme song? That's what I want to know. Is there sort of uh, a wild, wild west, uh, for, oh, for Ken For Richard? sure. <laughs> yeah. That, that's the best part is when he puts on the cowboy hat and just breaks out into song yeah. <laughs> and Kevin Klein comes out of nowhere. Um, no, but it, it's, it's really good. It's really strong. Um, but also if, one thing Telluride provided was, a depth of lead actor contenders. Mm -hmm. So Will Smith, we have Peter Dinklage in the fray now for Cyrano, Mm -hmm. also really, really strong, incredibly uh, poised uh, and 
sings like an angel as well, which is very surprising. I hadn't heard Peter Dinklage sing. Did you know that? Sing. I did, I, did. I feel like he, did he sing in Game of Thrones? Did he sing on an episode? I feel I like maybe remember. near the end when they're like all about to go into battle, he might have a. They might all like sort. Of, I, I could be I, making yeah. this up. This could be fanfic. Yeah, but. I have no idea. <laughs> um, but yeah, Peter Dinklage very good. Uh, Belfast, which then ended up winning the People's Choice Award at Toronto, very strong indicator for Oscar. I when I saw Belfast, and it's not my favorite film of the year. I think it's very very good, and I actually really like it a lot. Um, but I, when I saw it. I felt like it was the first time I saw a movie and I said, oh, this could win Best Picture this year. Hmm. Belfast, the way that that is a tight 90 minutes, 95 minutes, it is so perfectly told. And Kenneth Branagh, I mean, what a storyteller. Yeah, um, I put it out. I yeah. put out to every publicist. If you make a ninety-minute movie, you automatically get two and a half stars. I don't care if you're a <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> like, Did you matter. hear that, you Jackass Four? Every anyone ninety. That's why. That's why I'm so excited for Venom. Ninety minutes. <laughs> like it doesn't matter. I don't care what it is. It's going to be great. Uh, for the record, I have not seen Belfast or Cyrano. Oh yeah, Be- Belfast is great. Um, Jude Hill, the young boy in it, ver- um, won't factor probably into a, a, a real significant Oscar conversation because he's, you know, the, we know how they are with kids. But uh, The Oscars hate children, is that what you're saying? Yeah, they do hate kids. <laughs> Jackie Cooper is a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Jamie Dornan's very, very good in this. Uh, Kieran Hines is incredible, and I think, I, I mean, I saw it and I feel like his supporting actor is his to lose right now. And now we await uh, more that come down the line, Mr. J.K. Simmons and others that are rumored to be great. So I'm waiting for those. Um, and then Katrina Balf is also very good. It's funny. We have a lot of uh, fanfare, fanboy film <laughs> like crossovers this year. Outlander has a very vocal fan base oh, still yeah. to this oh, day. Yeah. Is I'm that show still Sam's- on? I'm so sorry to not know. Yeah, it Michael, is, Michael you back. can contribute here. Tell <laughs> yeah, us yeah. what's going on in TV land. <laughs> what's going it's, on with Outlander? It's not a big awards gatherer, but uh, it's still it's got that fan base. It's got that rabid Ooh, fan base. If you ask them why, though, they do not like it one bit. It's, they should have been Sam Hugan in Belfast. It would have been like a bigger movie. Um, <laughs> but um, no, Katrina Balfe is great. They need to find. I think they need to figure out a category for her. She's a she's a straddler. And that's going to be key to her success or whatever happens to her down the line. But Judy Dench, also great in her, like, very brief screen time. Of course Judy Dench is it. She and Kenneth Branagh are Scorsese and De Niro. It's it's Judy Dench. Yeah. Her last scene will just destroy you. Like, her last Mm, line. Yeah, yeah. She ends the movie on a really good note. Blah, 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 Um, blah. Not listening. Um, also, also, by the way, uh, fun fact, Kieran Hines was supposed to be played by Anthony Hopkins. They had oh, offered wow. it to him. Oh. I'm really glad they, that he turned it down because <laughs> it would have been distracting. Um, and then we moved to New York Film Festival, where that's where I am. I'm in New York right now. Our first episode of the season, I'm back on New York time. And we're all looking forward to this time when I moved to L.A. and was going <laughs> to have this and look at this. And now I'm You here. just can't quit the East Coast. I, I, I just I, I wish I knew how to quit you. Um, Tragedy of Macbeth opened the fest and it's Bruno Delbanel give him a camera and let him go to heaven and shoot it for all of us and bring footage back it's like such a very very talented man um, and Denzel Washington 
saying the words of Shakespeare is exactly as amazing as you think it would be. It would be. I've seen like, him on stage in Julius Caesar. It's yeah. So did you? Uh, Francis McDormand did a stage version of Macbeth as well. Like in the last like six years, someone had told me. Oh, really? I just have to throw out there. I've not seen Tragedy of Macbeth, so I'm not yeah. going to weigh in. But uh, as a theater geek, every time you guys say the M word, part of me shivers inside. Yeah. Oh, my which, God. Which, but we're not putting on a production of it. So that's why we can say <laughs> and we're not in a theater. But, but, but still, theater. there's, yeah. you know, there's that inherent like, yeah. Catherine Hunter. Oh, oh Catherine, Catherine Hunter, as one of the three witches, is really so here's the here, like I think I, it, it is an across the board contender to get into m- multiple spots. Um, the most interesting parts of the movie and most interesting performances, God doesn't like us that much to give us those things, which are Corey Hawkins getting into supporting actor and Moses Ingram and Catherine Hunter finding love in supporting actress because they Moses are Moses Ingram and one of Variety's ten actors to watch. And now Emmy nominee Moses Ingram. Yeah, thank, thanks to uh, Queen's Gambit. Um, but yeah, she's she's superb. And Joe Cohen, his first outing without Ethan in any capacity, because I think they've because that's a, it seems to be up for debate on the internet. They have worked separately before, right? Like at some point, like I mean, early, definitely early on, on. in theater yeah. as well. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I was speaking to a critic that said. A uh, very interesting thing. They're like, you're Joel Cohen, and you can make anything you want. You make Macbeth, and that, not saying that as a shade, but also like you probably could have just done anything else. But also, hour and forty five minutes, Mike Schneider. <laughs> there. Yes. <laughs> there you go. Justin Kurzel's a few years ago was like two fifteen, which is ridiculous because the play itself is one of Shakespeare's shortest plays. Yeah, and this flies, and uh, so I, I don't think. It pr- Actually, Mike and Janelle, maybe you can really clear this up for me. I I am a, a, of an opinion that Macbeth is not as well known as people think it is. Meaning, if you go up to a regular person, you can say, who wrote Macbeth? They'll tell you William Shakespeare. But if you tell them, tell me beat for beat what happens to Macbeth, oh, I no, feel like no, no one can tell people you. People know the name. People are very intimidated by that play. Yes, they they might know Duff because of McDuff. Sorry, but yeah. I almost think that's more Duff. because of The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Beer, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Duff beer, McDuff beer. Come on, yeah. you're missing yeah. a crossover here. Yeah. Um, no, it is interesting. Even people in the theater world who like you know know, know Shakespeare pretty well and definitely know of. Macbeth. It's interesting how many of them haven't seen it. A lot of people are very scared of that play. Very superstitious. There is, you know, real. Uh, you know, witchcraft within it, some of the language that is used. So, yeah. yeah. And and they, I feel like they get it confused with Hamlet a lot. I feel like they just, like, people just think of the two interchangeably. It is funny, they were filming the movie and were saying the M-word on set. Joel Cohen said this at the opening of New York Film Festival. Like, we were saying it. I was like, I'm not about this. And then their last day of shoot was Friday the 13th. Yeesh. March 13th. <laughs> and then now they don't say it anymore. Yeah, I... People make fun of me for being so superstitious, but I'm still alive. Who's laughing now? Yeah, you are not... You're not superstitious. You are a little stitious. That's an office uh, quote <laughs> for everyone that needs to know. Uh, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's very good. It's, it, it, it is very good, and it's very polished and very small, very minimalist, because mm. it, it's like filmed on a soundstage. 
essentially. Yeah. But it's really good. Then, yeah. So that that was all the beats of the festival circuit. Did I miss anything big? Yeah. I mean, I would say Spencer with Kristen oh, Stewart yeah. oh definitely landing yeah. her first nomination, if not win. Yeah. She's, she's, I think she's happening. She's happening in a nomination definite sense. And, the, wh- I, and I have to say, like, this is why um, I need to learn to stop basing things on trailers. Because I was like, I couldn't tell from the trailer. Couldn't get a feel. I was like, she doesn't really seem to look or sound like, I don't even think she speaks to the trailer. And I saw the movie and was just completely blown away by how transformative it is. In the trailer, how, she says, yeah. you, you, you don't. <laughs> yeah, her mannerisms, everything, but it's not just an imitation. It's just a beautifully, beautifully nuanced layered yeah. okay. performance. So let, yeah. let's clear this up now because this is what I think this is Neon's problem with the movie. They need to tell, just keep saying loud to the world this is not a, a biopic. This yeah. is not your Princess Diana from The Crown. She doesn't act like her at all. There's very Kristen Stewart isms in her performance. But it works because this is a fable, which it opens with saying that this is a fable. And I jokingly but was serious said to Pablo Lorraine, like, you say fable, and I don't think you understand that people may not know what that means mm-hmm. when you say fable. Yeah. Like, I think people are like, oh, that's a cool little word for story. <laughs> like, no, right, this is right. not true. Or it's romantic or no, this is this is a dark fable. I, yeah. There are moments where it felt like a horror film. Yes. yes. A, a, yeah. And that, that's Pablo's shtick mm-hmm. right now. He makes horror biopics. I think the poster does it no favors then, because the poster makes it look like it's a Princess Diana biopic. So mm. yeah. I, I don't know how they're going to get around that. It's I a don't fantastic disagree, but the poster. poster's so good. It's I a remember. great poster. But, you know, after we all, yeah, just watched The, the Crown, and, and we're, we're all in that one mindset of, of Charles and Diana, if it's not that, then yeah, that's going to confuse a lot of people. To give yeah. Michael something to talk about, um, I really enjoyed your story on Josh O'Connor after he won the Emmy. Oh, thanks. The and uh, I do love that his uh, one of his best friends plays Charles in Spencer. So Isn't that crazy? <laughs> it's kind of oh, a, are they? Are they Biffles? Well, because they're they're all they they all know each other in the UK scene, right? So they're all they're all mates. They're all best friends. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's a small island. Of an island. This is this is also um, like when Nicole Kidman and uh, Naomi Watts were best friends, both played Gretchen Carlson yeah. in different projects. Yeah, like the same I'll, I'll, year for that matter. Yeah, I'll never I never forget. Like, was it last year or the year before when I found out randomly? I had no idea that Salma Hayek and Renee Zellweger are best friends. I didn't know. They're that. like. They're like biffle, biffle, biffles. Yeah. And then I was like, how do you even know each other? And they became close during uh, Chicago Frida year. Because they were on the circuit together. Yeah, you bump into these people again and again. Um, I feel like we also just need to at least mention Power of the Dog and Dune. I was going to get to that too. Okay, okay, sorry. Yeah. No, 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 go. No, are we done with Spencer? Like, obviously, is there Johnny Greenwood, man? Because that's a good transition to Power of the Dog. Oh, and I have not seen The Lost Daughter. I am dying to. Very, very good. Very strong. Very, very strong. Olivia uh, Coleman. Not, not, so he, here's Olivia is, is interesting. Olivia is definitely lead, but a thinner lead. Like in comparison to her counterparts that are going to be up for contention. Um which, by the way, she ran into that same problem in The Favorite also, right? Like, I like The Favorite, uh, for anyone who doesn't remember, it was her, Emma Stone, and Rachel Weisz. And I thought 
definitely her and Emma were package deals. And Rachel Weiss was the straddler that you can go either way with. Really? But I thought, yeah, I mean, I kind of saw them as almost three leads, but I was like, Rachel's the straddler. We can have a conversation about. But I thought once you split them up, it becomes a lie. So in this, I think she's definitely lead, but I think once you put Jessie Buckley, who's also amazing in it, once you throw her supporting, then I'm like, mm, I don't know if I like this anymore. Like, I think they have to kind of go together. Um, but that's just a little like tidbit I was just thinking about. But yeah, that, that, it's it's good. And uh, Dakota Johnson, very good in it. She's like, a good actor. She, like, she I, really I, is. I, look, yeah. This is the year where those popcorn, quote unquote, bad actors that we thought they were because they were in Fifty Shades of Grey and uh, Twilight. I don't think anyone ever thought uh, uh, Kristen Stewart was a bad actor. I think that's something that, like, was created by Twitter or something. Like, critics have always respected her. She was doing Into the Wild before. Like, maybe we made fun of Twilight, but we've always known that she's a good actor. Well, the industry has not been kind to her uh, post-Twilight. Because Clouds of Sills Maria, she didn't get close and some of them, some people thought that was a slam dunk. So that's why I think now we can, this is now opening the doors of like, all right, let's just. Oh, so you mean awards wise? Awards wise, yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm yeah, about yeah, awards yes, awards. you are absolutely right. Yeah. Um, Power of the Dog. Because we have a guest this week from Power of the Dog. I like that little Cheers. neck move you did. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm biased, because I love Kirsten Dunst. Here's my, my, my big thing about Power of the Dog. I really loved it. Um, I, I feel like an idiot, but I didn't even know that was Benedict Cumberbatch at first. Um, really? Well, I saw, I saw it before I... Oh, like, yeah. I saw it a yeah. while ago. Yeah. Okay. Um, you know, I, I see things way ahead of time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was specifically <laughs> trying not to do that, and <laughs> I have told you I have not seen most of the yeah. stuff we're discussing yeah, today. Okay. So anyway, because... Uh, yes. Anyway, um, I knew it would be a critical pleaser, but I was so happy to see it receive a runner-up for the TIFF Audience Award because yeah. that tells me audiences are yeah, responding third, to it. It came too. in third, which is interesting because that's that's what if, if there's any movie I would I would make Mike Schneider watch right now, it would be Power of the Dog because I would really want to know how Mike, I, like like someone that's not so entrenched into the Oscar game, takes that movie because I can't wait for my wife to see it because she's a regular person too. So I just like, like we're not regular, none of us. <laughs> Thank yeah. you, question. Yeah. <laughs> you're not regular. You're you're totally you're totally regular. Uh, no, because I I was surprised I liked it. I was going in. I was. I was waiting to hate it. I really was. I don't know why I had this expectation of that, but I did. Um, and I sat down with Jane Campion at Telluride, and I said, listen, this is your best movie. And you know what my favorite thing she did was? She went, oh, I think so, too. I was so Aww. glad that she knew mm-hmm. that. Because yeah. it is. It's, her, it's the best thing she's ever done. Mike, I'm seeing it on Thursday. Come. Come along. I will not stand I'm, for this piano erasure. <laughs> so that, so to hear, that's controversial. I don't really like the piano. Get out. Like, Leave. like, and but you know what? I think I need to watch it as an adult. I ha- I haven't watched it as an adult. I saw it when I was like sixteen. No one should watch that as a child, except Anna Paquin. Well, I was because she's in well, it. I, I saw it when I was like eleven for the first time because I was because I was in love with Anna Paquin at the time. And, oh and then she, she won an Oscar, so I was like, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm like, yeah. About power to I get it, Clayton. Yeah. You're young. Yeah. <laughs> Rub it in. So, um, 
Uh, so wait, go back to the Benedict Cumberbatch thing. So you, you, you like it didn't register. I didn't know anything about this movie going in, and when you see, you like it's a, it's a little bit before you see him head on, you know. And I hear this voice, and I see these mannerisms, and you know, I'm like. You know, look, look, look! I'm 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 not a dullard. Like I mean, I figured it out pretty quickly, <laughs> but but yeah, like as, as the movie sort of like setting the atmosphere, I didn't know who it was, and then like kind of saw his face for the first time. It might have even taken a second after that, and I was like, "Holy crap!" Yeah. It's funny. The, the reason why I, the reason I followed up with you on that because I think at Telluride the beat on the street was he was like the most quote-unquote polarizing part of the movie and 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 i uh, he worked for me um he, he absolutely worked for me, worked for me I, I think, and, by the way yeah this is really weird to say i think he is helped immensely by the sound design in that movie sound design's phenomenal every time he takes a, a step on a piece of wood i was like Benedict Cumberbatch is alive like it's like it's doing some crazy <laughs> stuff so yeah i think he was a very polarizing part that just seemed to trigger some things. And and, and listen, Benedict is, for me, I love Benedict, and I think he's very, very talented. He's always, I think, always struggled a little bit with accent work. And when he, I feel like in this, is always, only when he yells. He can't project an American. <laughs> he can um, he can speak fine, but as soon as he yells, I'm like, ah, oh, there's, there there's my Brit. So... Uh, that's very difficult to do, yeah. by the way. As seen by Jazz do right now. Do it now, now. Jazz. Let's, let's hear your American <laughs> yeah. accent. Yell oh, us. let's hear it, yeah. Oh, my God. Cool. No, Jazz, oh. don't, be one, of the, don't be one of those Brits that when they do an American accent, they only do twangs. That's literally all they do. Like when I ask them for an impression of an American accent. That's my friends, by the way. Not. I, I was going to shout, the only word that I can think of is they'll censor it, so. Oh. Will they? You're an ass- <laughs> asshole. <laughs> That was cool. That was, yeah. that was a little like that was very American-ish. By the way, I'm a big fan of Benedict Cumberbatch's accent in Doctor Strange, and I know that that's been yeah. divisive to some people. But I, I, I really oh, like actually, it. I don't, I don't hear it in that. Yeah, I think he's fine in that. Yeah, like, like for me, I think he's always Mauritanian. I thought he was good. See, that's where I, when he when he when, he, when oh. he's twangy American, I think he struggles. That's where I think he has uh, is. Been, that comes with time, whatever. But anyway, Benedict in the actor hunt again. Uh, Kirsten Dunst guest this week. Oh, yeah, I, I think she, I think she's a supporting actress, like contender, big, 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 big time. And I'm here for it. Twenty years too late. I still I I just love her and Jesse Plemons together. I just love <gasps> oh, that pair. Oh like, my gosh. Mike Schneider, and this is not a spoiler. But there, Jesse Plemons, I think, has the line of the movie. Like, honestly, the line of the movie. And he says the line, and it's, and it's in a scene with Kirsten Dunst. That's so, like, heartbreaking. And mm. Kirsten looks at him. And I told her this in the interview. You're usually going to hear this. But I say, for that moment, you weren't this character anymore because you looked at him as Jesse Plemons' baby mama. I love you. <laughs> like, like, you looked at him. Like, you, lo- <laughs> like it, it sh- like you saw it melt away. And she was like, "Cause Jesse, cause Jesse just has his heart on his sleeve." And I was like, "Yeah, like he's just the, he's just the greatest. Like I love them together." Yeah, even though Jesse Plemons and every thing he does is just such a creep. He, there's just something so. <laughs> oh my god! There was a guy watching Game Night next to me <gasps> on his iPad on the plane, and I was just love like his body was shaking with laughter. Every time Jesse Plemons, he should appeared. have gotten an Oscar <laughs> nomination for that. Um, <laughs> it was yeah, so great. So great. Um, Mike, if 
if you if we go back to the Breaking Bad days and we put a dollar on who the biggest star out of Breaking Bad would be post Breaking Bad, and we put a dollar on Jesse Plemons, how much money will we will we have today? Because AKA Meth Damon, like I can't believe how much this guy is just like working and just like living, like doing everything. He just he's a machine. Well, he's. I mean, and, and talk about just like great choices uh, from Friday Night Lights to Fargo season two with with Kirsten um, and just like everything like he chooses just the right projects that that really allow him to shine. Someone who's like the most unlikely star uh, is just, you know, has done such great character yeah. work for the past decade. Yeah. So and there are people. Yeah, do, are you guys hearing? I, I'm hearing this a lot in the Twitter sphere. Do, are you hearing a lot of the Philip Seymour Hoffman comparisons for him now? I mean, I've heard that for years, but he's he's so his own thing now, by but, by this point. I, I yeah, it was, it was a weird comparison. I felt like so I, it seemed like maybe it's just bubbling, but I just caught it now. But that was it was interesting, but like not apt at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I can say this as a chubby, pasty white guy. <laughs> They're both pa- chubby, pasty white guys. So, you know, I, the, I, the, with red hair. So that's that's the comparison. Yeah. It used to be Matt Damon. They used to call him Meth Damon. Mm. Yeah. When he was yeah. on oh my Breaking Bad. Yeah, yeah I mean, Matt Damon, who's, uh, who's not quite as chubby. Yeah. <laughs> like, well, I mean, the, the, there was a more unkind uh, pe- nickname pe- that I fifth, won't. Yeah, it was the sexiest yeah. man alive one year. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, last thing, Cody Smith, Cody Smith McPhee. I, I I hate bringing him up because I can't talk about him the way I want to. But all I, all <laughs> I can say is what I wrote was it was the coming of like Anthony Perkins and Psycho. Like that's my comparison for him. Um and go ahead, wait and what was the last movie Joe after Power of the Dog? Dune. 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 Oh wait and also come on come on. My favorite movie of the year. Oh, you mentioned Come On, Come On at the beginning. Yeah, yeah. Um, I love seeing Joaquin Phoenix in roles like this, just as like a normal guy. I think it was undersold to me how great this movie would be. By who? Who would do that? I don't know. Some people. <laughs> but it's it's top two Joaquin Phoenix performances of his career. Woody Norman is a Brit too. A little British. A, as I learned a from you. A little yep. British effing kid. And it makes me angry at our children in America. Like we are phoning <laughs> it in. We are not raising our children correctly. Cause there's a no, little, we're, we're there's a little kid doing an American accent. And when I tell people, and I love breaking the news to people that he's British, you have no idea. Like it, it fills me with joy. Cause when the, fi- the faces that come after, I was like, yep, take it in. When you told me I was shocked. Do your Woody Norman is British face, and I'll I'll screen grab it for people. Mm. Very nice. <laughs> <laughs> Mike's, Mike's just like, sitting there going, I, I don't t- know what you people are talking yeah. about. Don't know what you're talking when about. When does succession start? <laughs> um, oh, yeah. soon. Succession's back yeah. soon. 2017. Um, oh, my God. We have to – we'll end on an Emmy thing for sure, Mike. I need to tell you about that. But – um. Stupid Dune, Dune. I was like, stupid Dune. I can't even remember. No, it's not, it's not stupid. It's great. I love Dune so much. How dare you? Yeah, yes. it is fantastic. <laughs> um, I am surprised by the lack of faith that is going to be an Oscar player. Like, you mean across the board? Or? I, so, again, because I sometimes Oscar is just math. I think if you're talking about that movie getting into production design, cinematography, 
editing, mm-hmm. makeup, Absolutely. sound, yeah. score, costumes, that's seven. And you mean to tell me that that those remember they vote in branches, those same people are not putting picture, and then I think naturally with that comes Denny. So I think this is at yeah. oh, so I yeah. think this is nine. Now it's not winning best picture. And I think <laughs> I, I mean I, listen, because where I think the hump is is adapted screenplay. That's a hump. Yeah. Not because it's bad, it's because this is super nerdy. And Gravity couldn't get into screenplay, neither could Avatar. Sci-fi just struggles with scribes. It's just a fact. So, if it gets into depth of screenplay, then we get a convo, and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. it could do that. I actually think it could, in that, especially in that way that like when Paul Thomas Anderson was nominated for Inherent Vice, mm. people will say, hey, you took this unwieldy thing, we are boring Michael so much right now. <laughs> yeah, he's probably like, like watching the succession trailer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm literally, I'm scrolling up and down looking at the different movies and, and people, and I'm just trying to, I'm, no, I'm, I'm educating myself. He's like, exactly. it's Who's fine. this Denny Villeneuve they talk about? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, also, I think it could be a player for Timothy and Rebecca Ferguson. Uh, yeah, I, I struggle with the acting discussions around that. Even though, yes, they are good, and there's no way that Rebecca Ferguson and Oscar Isaac birthed Timothy Chalamet. That's my complaint about that movie. <laughs> really? No, that is not. A, Come on, that, he's got that. Oscar Isaac no. has hair like Timothy Chalamet. They have the hair. It's <laughs> yeah. I'm really bothered by Timothy Chalamet with that nose plug. I, it's, that's all I know. Well, get it's used like, to it's it, how he survives. Two hours of yeah. it. Yeah. It looks like the weird nose plug I used to wear when I was a geeky kid going swimming, and for some reason, like <laughs> I wore that nose plug, and like you know, but it, it explains a lot of my genius. And um, and anyway, back, back to you, Clinton. Yeah, and Jason Momoa is. Oh, so great. <laughs> oh, can I tell you a cool casting story about that? Um, Francine Maisler was talking about how Jason Momoa's agent, she was in the car with her sons, who I believe are preteens or teenagers. Probably preteens when this was shot, but they're teenagers Probably, now. Yeah, five and years ago. Um, the, the agent said something like, hey, uh, put your sons on. And he was like, you guys, um, you, you heard of some of these actors she's talking about? And they were like, no, not really. And they were like, you heard of Jason Momoa? And they were like, yeah. <laughs> and she was, I, mean, I don't think that he was having to convince her to see Jason Momoa, but I think it was just that extra boost. Yeah, because these kids were like, we're yeah. big fans of Apple TV Plus's C. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just say, with the Dune Crafts, not only are the costumes incredible, but the cinematography. Of Craig Fraser. Cinematography is going to be a bloodbath mm-hmm. this year. Yeah. Oh a my bloodbath. So good. Um, yeah, D- Dune, is, Dune is fun. Dune is going to suck at home, though. Point it I don't out know. right now. I, actually, I mean, like, yes, go I mean, see unless it in the theater. You, unless, unless you have a. Yes, if you have a, a movie theater in your house, then Dune's going to be awesome. <laughs> but Dune, at, like, on HBO Max, like, as soon as the logo came up, I said, oh, I get it. This yeah. is why I can't be watched. Yep. And, like, just on the logo. Yeah. But I also crazy. don't want to sell it short on story by making it. Because, like, some movies, oh. it's like you have to see in a theater because they, you know, they don't, their story doesn't hold up at yeah. home. And, like, Dune is a good movie. It's just, yeah, you need to see it in a theater. You really do. Mm. If it's safe. It's the same reason why, this is why I think Avatar has aged poorly. Because that was good in a theater. 
I mean, it, we also are asking for six sequels, I guess, evidently. <laughs> I didn't get the memo on that. I but don't know if it, yeah, did, did we ask? <laughs> did anyone? I, I don't think we did, but I feel like someone must have sent something in and I didn't sign off. So, yes, we're getting all these. So, yeah, I, I just think, yeah, I think as in a theater experience, it's going to be, it, it's, it's definitely the best way to see it. But that's it. Not, not on my phone? Oh my God! There's going there's going to be someone on a train that is going to be watching Dune, and I'm gonna slap it, slap the phone <laughs> out of their hand. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna get angry about it. Um, so I, I wanted to end Mike because uh, we're done with Oscar stuff. It's like we're done. Season's over. We're done. Yeah. Wow. That was fast. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Yeah. I have two particular questions for you. One, next year's Emmys is going to be insane in the membrane. Like. Barry, Ted Lasso, like Maisel, Atlanta, Succession, Atlanta, like yeah, like we don't survive next year, right? Like that is coverage that just doesn't stop, can't stop, won't stop. It's it's gonna be insane. It's gonna be a bloodbath, yeah. but it's yeah. gonna be fascinating. There's gonna be a ton to talk about, but that's where. And, and Clayton, both of you and I, I think, are the only two people who have been advocating for a move to 10, uh, at least in drama, comedy, and limited. But I think next I hope, year— I think the piece will be out by the time they're listening to this. No. Yeah. No, Janelle, we said it last week. It's, we found the answer last week. Like, literally, it was all of us, and we came up with it. You move to 10, comedy and drama, you get rid of uh, limited series. <gasps> and that's it. You get rid of we get. It's not a genre, Janelle. Drama and comedy are genres. Limited is a type of something. Well, if I listened to this podcast, I would have sent an angrily worded email. But I don't have and, the strength right now. And like we are kind of up for bringing blue ribbons back, a new reinvented version of blue ribbon committee, like nomcoms. Yeah, yeah, we we still need to work this out. A Janelle, bit, yeah, <laughs> Janelle, yeah, we're we're gonna send our proposal up. Janelle, stop getting mad. It's gonna be. Great. I'm not getting mad. Oh, yeah. did you just call me an angry woman because I'm sitting no. here quietly? That is true. <laughs> you, you should smile more, Janelle. I literally am. Is the funny yeah, thing. I know. Um, oh, my last question, Mike. Are you uh, going getting through morning show right now? <gasps> I just I love started. Morning show. I just love started. Morning show. Yeah, I just started. Billy crew up on that show. Yes. Understands the assignment. Yes. He, yes. <laughs> Thank you, Janelle. He is the best part of that show. Absolutely. Yeah. He's so good. It's like, but he's, he's lead this time, right? I think you might be right, actually. Yeah. Yeah. I think he made the, the he made the leap up. Yeah. I mean, that's where strategy comes in. I mean, ultimately, they're going to have to look and see. We're talking, if it's, I, we're ta- I want a purist conversation. We're not talking strategy. <laughs> purist. <laughs> Remember, yeah, pure. Yeah, yeah. You think he's lead? I think there's a case to be made for lead, yeah, absolutely. Do you think he's a straddler? Do you think he could go both, either yeah, way? I think, I think he'd go either way. I, I think that come, So I think that's going to come down to strategy. And okay. Because it is going to be such a crowded... But, I mean, supporting's crowded, too. But there, at yeah. least there are more spots for supporting. There's like Right you know, now, we don't know what they're going to change up next year, Mike. They what are you could. talking about? Exactly. It could be like 9 or 10. <laughs> Um, Janelle, do, do you think he's a do you think he's a straddler, or do you think he's? Like, I, I would lead? say a straddler. I could see it going either way. I I have to be cautious because I've seen a lot of episodes, and I don't know where we are right now in terms of the actual episodes being out. I don't yeah. know what anything is anymore. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> I actually um, 
did a Q&A with some of the people from the morning show last time I was in Kauai, and uh, I was actually staying at the hotel that Jennifer Aniston stayed at when she shot... Um, oh, I can't believe I'm blanking on the name of the movie with Adam Sandler. The one... Oh, Murder... Ha- uh, Murder no, 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 Mysteries? the other one. The first one. Not 51st The way it go- Where it goes... Oh, God. Uh, go with it? Just go with it? Is that it? Just, just go, go with it. it. Yeah, 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 yeah. God, I haven't had my coffee yet. Forgive me. Yeah. Where Where's the hotel from Forgetting Sarah Marshall? Is that not Hawaii? That is on uh, Oahu. Yeah, that is the Turtle Bay Resort, I believe. And then the other resort I stayed the last time I was in Kauai, I nicknamed the Gray Dandelion because it was the opposite of the White Lotus. Mm. <clears throat> the family said we're going to go to Hawaii next year. It'll be our first time, so you guys can give us recommendations. Ooh. I'll probably be there, so I'll show you around. So, so you are just going to go. I don't. This isn't fun anymore. This is the worst podcast. Yeah. Uh, welcome back. Uh, welcome back. So on this podcast today, uh, Kirsten Dunst, as stated, and the man with a plan, Simon Rex. Mm, so good. Red Rocket. Oh, no. All right. All right. Simon Rex. Simon Rex. Jurassic Park coming through. What does that mean? T-Rex. No, no, I did T Rex reference. Oh, Rex! Oh, I get it. Rex. Sorry. Yes. Rex. I was in Jurassic World yesterday, so. Oh, oh I thought you were going to say you were in the movie Jurassic World. I was like, no, what? you was in the tour, right? I was in the park for my birthday. Thanks, you all, for your wishes. Um, Twenty one. Look at you drinking already. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, and the only ride I will not ride at Universal Studios is the Jurassic Park ride because I don't like that drop. I can Ooh. handle anything else. In fact, I was on the Harry Potter ride. Uh, they all look so young, and it stopped. I don't want to say it broke down because that's not correct, but it stopped for a few minutes while I was almost. I was on my back, uh, like oh. almost upside down. Oh, that's not yeah. fun. That happened to us too last time we were there. I think that must happen all the time because because yeah. I think whenever like people take their Maybe time to get off the ride, shouldn't be there. <laughs> What are the chances of this? Well, but yeah, actually, you're, you're we were just talking dangling about this, the, in the air, yeah. right? There's so yeah. many safety precautions now because I was like, things never broke down when I was a kid. And my my friends were telling me, no, they did. They just didn't care. They were death traps. But now there's so many safety precautions. It's actually a good thing that they keep That's breaking down. No, it's, it's actually no the frustrating bueno. It's the frustrating thing about Haunted Mansion at Disneyland yes. because mm. because people sometimes take their time to get off or on, and so they have to pause it whenever someone takes their time. So throughout Haunted Mansion now, it's constantly stopping. It's kind of annoying, but that is safety precaution. That's mm. why I'm um, the Harry Potter ride has the same moving walkway yeah. to get on, so it might be a similar problem. Yeah, I think so. What are the odds of all three of us being stuck on that? Oh yeah, probably really good. I've never been to Disneyland, so I. I what? Oh, Clayton. Clayton. I just moved here, people. I but you've there, I'm not lived there for years. I went to I went to Disney World for like the first time. When I was like twenty three. Okay, you've been to Disney World. Okay. Yeah, and then and then I went and then I went to Disney World. I took my kids to Disney World like two summers ago. Oh, okay. So you've, you've okay. Yeah. To be fair to you, Clayton, I lived. I moved here in two thousand and fourteen, and I didn't get to my ass to Disneyland until two thousand and eighteen. Yeah, I also hate long lines. That's We're all going thing. to Disneyland for my next yeah. birthday. Um, oh, last thing, forgot to mention, Academy Museum, go, it, it, it's amazing, it's beautiful and amazing and everything that 
It was made for me, but you guys can all go. Uh, let's talk more about that next week. I want to hear more about it, but I know we're going long, so we got to get to yeah. your, your interviews already. So so let's no let's table that. Bye. Let's let's talk about it next week. Uh, thanks, everyone. Jazz, Janelle, Clayton. We'll see y'all next week. Thank you. Bye. An impressive resume, Kirsten Dunst has many memorable performances in films such as Interview with the Vampire, Spider-Man, Melancholia, and The Beguiled, none of which have brought her Oscar attention, even though many fans believe she should already have a couple. But her new role in The Power of the Dog from Jane Campion could do the trick for her. In our sit-down interview, Kirsten Dunst talks about her itch to direct a movie with her beau and co-star Jesse Plemons. She's just waiting for her kids to get a little bit older. They actually have a pact to work together every five years, since that's how their friendship and love started. I sit down with her to talk about her role of Rose Gordon, a woman and mother tormented by the domineering cowboy Phil Burbank, and how it seemed different for her in comparison to her other roles and performances of the past. You are vulnerable in a way I haven't seen you in a very, very long time. And I want to know if you felt you were in a different place in your life when you took on the role, because it seems you seem different in it, like the whole essence of you. Mm. So I don't know. That's so it's, it's nice to hear that from, you know, your perspective. And I, I don't know. I mean, listen, I would have done any role for Jane. You know what I mean? It wasn't, you know, that, that I wouldn't have to read a script to work with Jane Campion. Um, but I guess, listen, the older you get, I feel like, like with any job, you should get better, right? I mean, that's True. with anyone's job. You want to get better at your job. And I feel like the older you get and the, the less you care about what other people think of you and, and the more you just want to expose all the ugliness, the sadness, the, all, all the things that you can share to make the movie experience like to make it seem real you know so I think you know I, I definitely have a different approach to acting since I was 27 so that's kind of kind of reinvented acting for me um so I've had that for a while now but I don't know Jane also allowed me that to have the space to do it in too um we were speaking earlier uh and pointed out that you have worked with a lot of amazing female directors. Uh, Sofia Coppola, Virgin Suicides, and Beguiled are still near and dear to my heart. Um, And, you know, working with Jane, I I was wondering if there's an itch inside of Kirsten Dunst to direct. There is. I feel like I will when I don't have such young children, because it's it's so... Directing a movie is so all-encompassing. You, know, you, you have the face right now. Like, my fingers are to my yeah. temple. I was like, my son is four and a half months. I don't even sleep through the night. Like, I can't 
fathom like picking out uh, someone else's wardrobe. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not happening. Um, but I, I will one day for sure. I just don't think, I don't think I, it, I don't physically, I physically can't, right? You know, but I, I will. One of these days I will. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, working with Jesse and without giving anything away because people haven't seen it yet. Actually, uh, Jesse and I want to work direct together. No, you don't. Do you really? Yeah, because we had so much, we edited, I had to put together like a sizzle reel for the bell jar. Um, and and he helped me edit it to, and we did it together and we had so much fun so I feel like we're a good balance together and I like communal work You're like I'm into that I don't need to be you know the one, I'm the one person so I feel like we'd have a really good time doing that together like, it has to happen he, now like, I, I, I think I, I we will get older. well we're <laughs> definitely going to work together like every five or six years like we made that pact with each other because that's how we first got together is falling in love, like falling in love creatively, you know, first. So that was, you know, the basis of first our friendship, you know? So I can't imagine. Yeah. That would be, that would be so fun to do together. Actually, let me, t- let me touch on Jesse for a minute. Cause yeah. uh, Jesse was not here by the way. Cause he's no, working with sad. Martin Scorsese. <laughs> I'm like, there was like, how's Jesse? I'm like, I'm home with two children and he's working with Scorsese. He's fine. <laughs> oh, God. He had to go work with Martin Scorsese. Yeah, he's I have like, our four, four month old child and he's working with Scorsese. It's like, he's doing just fine. <laughs> I mean, he is slumming it right now. Right? Well, like, like, I know. mean, he misses us and it's COVID yeah. and it's hard for him not to be able to like be here because of that though. So, but yeah. Uh, in the movie, in the movie without giving stuff away, there's a, uh, I think Jesse has the line of the movie and I want to give it away because I need people uh, to see it and have yeah. it impacted. Yeah, but there's right. a look you give him that it was, it was like, it may sound bad to people, but I feel like the character rose melted away and I saw Kirsten because it was like, you but love for Jesse. Yeah, it was like, it, and it was like, and it was okay. Like it was perfectly okay that you, it, it was, it was like, you saw him in that moment. And I don't know if you felt that similarly when you were working with him on set. Well, when you see a great actor being vulnerable, like the way he is, and I knew exactly, you know, he, he, his acting is so real. It feels so, he's so grounded as a performer, like of anyone in the film, there's some, he's two degrees more grounded than anyone else. You know what I mean? Or more, I say 10, but like someone else said two. So now I'm repeating two, but I was like, babe, you're 10 degrees more grounded than anyone. But like he, he's just so like his feet are so much more planted in the earth than most actors. And maybe that just, I think that's within his soul just as a human but also it just makes him such a present actor. You just feel like you're watching someone just breathe on camera and you're watching it happen in real time, which is what you want as an actor and what you strive for. And he's really good at doing it, you know? <laughs> uh, I did yell at Benedict Cumberbatch earlier, by the way. I was you just talking at him? to him. I did, because I said that you were mean to Kirsten Dunst in the movie, your ca- his character. What did he uh, say? <laughs> uh, he was like, well, you know, he was trying to explain why. Yeah, I said, I don't care. Like, you don't just, have to explain how yeah, it's called uh, American humor. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I, I, you know, working with this cast, uh, Benedict, Jesse, uh, Thomas and Mackenzie, who was just perfect human, all like all the, all these great actors coming together and Cody, uh, how does this compare to your other works of the past? Hmm, like on set? Yeah. yeah. Um, and in COVID, a little bit of COVID. Yeah, that was, 
Yeah, that was really a weird, like, day to see Jane and just... I mean, I think she felt like... I mean, who knew, but we were... That we could, when we could ever, if we could ever finish this movie. So I just like watching Jane just be devastated. It just was, I mean, what, what are you going to do? There's a global pandemic, you know, but it just was, it was, yeah. New Zealand got it together. They have the best prime minister. So. Oh, you mean women leading countries yeah, are a really good really idea? Yeah, it works. Wow. I know. Oh, we should, Who we thought? should spread that rumor around somewhere. <laughs> God. So she got it together. She got that country. I mean, it is an island, so you can argue that. But she got it together super quick, and so we could come back, and we quarantined for two weeks with our son, two-year-old son, which was really fun, and then went back to work. But literally, they let us out of the hotel, and we were going to dinner with, like, groups of people. It was so weird to get out of a hotel room for two weeks and then go to a dinner and then go to a bar and then, like, it was so trippy because we also before that had just been obviously home like everyone else. Yeah. Oh, God. My son, I took him to a grocery store. It had been like a hot minute because that was one of his favorite things to do when he was little. And he was like, an avocado? <laughs> Is this like a peach? I was like, yeah, good job. He was so pumped to be at a grocery store again. Oh, God. Two, a two-year-old. <laughs> yeah. Like in quarantine. Yeah. There was, there in New Zealand, there are these like there's these like balls with these strings attached. It's like a fighter thing, but they make some for kids. So he just like do that all day, just like <laughs> hitting us. <laughs> Kirsten Dunst is a survivor, man. I tell you, <laughs> like more than anything. Um, it, please, and if this is too personal, please. You can say no. I don't want to answer that. But because you just had a baby, yeah. uh, and when you guys had to go back to shoot, were you pregnant at all on set? No. No. I, okay. I'm always like, I was like. I, we want to have another child, but I, I'm not someone who ever wants to be pregnant while shooting. That just sounds terrible to me. So I was like, oh, we're going to wait. But I think that I, honestly, like it was very close. It was like, we wrapped. That might, it might have been a little bit it, of overlap. There was no overlap. It was literally like the night of the wrap party or like right after that or just like, it was kind of ridiculous how easy it was. <laughs> kind of, I think that's an overshare. For sure. I'm sorry. This is it's amazing. not no, cool of me. I should don't, not. No, don't ever stop. Why You're am I oversharing? Well, yeah. Because, because oh, this brings my, this is why, because it brings why? me to my next question. Okay. We were born in Point Pleasant, New Jersey. That's why, because I'm a Jersey I, I, girl. I, I, just moved, <laughs> I just moved from Jersey City to the West Coast. Really? Yes. And uh, it's very different over there. And that's why I think because we're just raw and we tell it how it is. Yeah. Um, do you recall, because you've been in this business for so long, do you remember the movie that like kind of did it for you? That you were like, I want to get into this. I, I was so little doing yeah. it. I, I don't think I ever had that moment. You don't think? Mm-mm. You wish you did? No, I actually think it's easier to audition and be young because you're not insecure in the ways that when you don't put up the walls that you do when you get older, I think. Because okay. even when I'd have to audition, you know, for certain movies in my 20s, it's was terrifying because you're like so out of the game of auditioning and when you're young and you're doing it all the time it's not a big it's not a big deal it's not a big deal as much of a big deal as as it is the older you get and the more you're like judging yourself so you go through that phase and then yeah but yeah there was a moment in my 20s when I took this one script I did this movie called all good things and I worked with Mm -hmm. a few different acting coaches on it just to see you know who because I needed some fresh blood in my life. <laughs> and 
You're like, Ryan Gosling, come on. (laughs) Let me give you a shot over here. Well, he actually worked with the lady that I ended up choosing. Really? Yeah, I love her. Yeah, her name's Greta Seacat. She's amazing. She's an amazing acting coach. She's not even a coach. She's just like a... She's like an acting fairy goddess. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's, uh, and you've worked, I mean, I'm looking, I'm looking over your career and you've worked with some of the, I, I always have to shout out that you're my little women. That, that is mine. Every generation that has one's their mine own. too. I mean, I mean, yeah, it's funny to be little. Yeah. 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 I, I yeah. do, you know, no, no disrespect to Greta Gerwig. I, I, no, loved, the I movie, loved her little women too, but yours is mine. Um, but you know, interesting, you know, jumping through like, you know, Neil Jordan, uh, upwards to Lars von Trier on Melancholia, which you're magnificent in. Um, you know, where, what do you find yourself attracted to the most right now as a as an actress? Like, is there any particular type of role or character that you just feel like you want to take on? See, I'm not really the person who's. I'm not totally into the idea of playing people. I don't know. I like original things more, but I'm director driven, so. That's because that's, yeah, that's what I am mostly. I, you know, it's like always based on the work, not the role because I've seen a lot of good material and roles like go south because of the director, you know? So for me, it's yeah. Less about the script, more about the director. You also, I have to also say this, you're featured in my favorite love story of all time, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Michelle Gondry, you're talking about working with great directors. I mean, there you go. Yeah, him and Charlie Kaufman are a match made in heaven. I mean, I want to see another one of those. I can text him if you want. I can just tell him, like, <laughs> the Kirsten said, you yeah. need to do this already. Yeah, Michelle needs to direct another Charlie Kaufman script. But it's true. They're really, like, they're perfect. Yeah. Do, yeah. do you, uh, as you see your, and I think you already touched on the saying that, you know, you're not attracted to the characters, like the filmmakers, um, your experience in Hollywood, do you see it getting better for women's, a woman's uh, place in Hollywood? Because we're seeing a lot of female directors that are here. You know, you're talking about maybe directing one day with, with your husband, which is totally feasible now like you can just go do it oh, i feel like yeah. 20 years ago they're like mm-hmm, yeah we'll see like your husband tried for a little while like right. that's what they would have been like do you yeah. feel it's getting better i do i do yeah i definitely do i mean but there there's been so many women before me that have like paved the way i mean i would you know jenna rollins is my favorite actress and that collaboration with cassavetes i mean that was like the what inspired me to like you know, try and be more brave and as an actress and, you know, so I, but I do think it's, yes, it's now everyone's on an even playing field finally. But like, I've, I think that's why maybe past works that I've done with female directors haven't gotten the attention that they've deserved because I was doing it before it was like, before people, yeah, basically, yeah, before it was like, you know, people wanted to give that credit where it was due. Thank you for that. Um, I'm going to go on record here just because I'm going to, and then I'll, they'll give me flack if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am because I'm usually right. Okay. I think this is possibly the moment we've been waiting for for 20 years uh, for some Academy attention for you because I think you're that good in the movie, and yeah. I think this is your career is built to this moment. I think we're finally going to see it. Um, and I know actors don't do it for accolades, but you're one of the greatest in the business and not one that people, some people are so good at it and they don't 
people don't realize how good they are. They, they, they say, oh, no, she's good because she's always good. But they take it for granted because you just make it look so easy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> what, 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 what would that feel like and how does that feel to be at that point in your career? It couldn't come if it does at a better time because, you know, I've had two kids. I've been working in this industry for so long and like I would just it would it would mean so much to my family, too. So it's just it would just be so, so fun to celebrate because I know my friends and family just They've been waiting for a long time. I'm like, just do it for my mother. Just do it for Inez Dunn's, please. Okay, Academy, like, this isn't even for, Kirsten doesn't even want it. She's like, just do it for mom so we can just have this done and we'll be okay. No, uh, that, that you know, true. obviously, like, yeah, it's obviously something that, like, it would be awesome. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's, that's cool. Um, do you find yourself more attracted to TV or film, or it just doesn't kind of matter right now? Because I know you've been dipping in and out. It does, no, it doesn't really matter to me. I mean, no. I mean, I've like doing Fargo clearly was one of the best things I've ever done <laughs> for a multitude of reasons. Um, and miniseries are so good right now, and people love watching them. And I, yeah, it's all over the place, the median now. So I think it's just. I think it's great. I don't, yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. It would have to be the right mini series for me. And I obviously am director. Like it's to me, it's just all about who the director is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It just is. Cause if you're going to give your heart and soul to someone else's vision, then you want to give it to a place that, that is, you're going to our goal together that like you believe in. And someone that deserves it, obviously. So. Well, I mean, I can't go that. Yeah. I can't be that like crazy. But <laughs> uh, going back to Power of the Dog for a minute, what was uh, again? Try not to give anything away. What was the most difficult scene for you to shoot? You know what? It's it was hard to do. Hmm. It's hard to be drunk and it's just hard to pretend to be drunk and it's very hard to like loosen up to that degree that like, so you kind of got to do a lot of different tricks on top of your whatever other emotional ideas you have in your head or references of, you know, whatever I've seen, you know, people get drunk and how they tell stories and, you know, definitely before. I went to do the movie. I'd probably pay attention to people a little bit more with that kind of stuff or like YouTube drunk people all the time or just, you know what I mean? Or, oh my God, I think I did. I think I did have Jesse record me record myself. I was like, babe, when I get drunk, just like, if I get drunk, just, you know, record me. And it, and it is a different. Uh, to be clear, there is a different drunk because she's she's drinking bourbon in the in, in the movie, right? Oh Isn't it? God! I, I think you think about vodka like, to bourbon. To, I always have. There's different levels uh, of. You're right, because tequila is like an upper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what? No, it is an upper. Yeah, and, that's and like, then there's such a crap. Rose would be like a crazy drunk person. Yeah. <laughs> She'd have a lot of energy. Yeah. Oh man, that's awesome. But yeah, I remember I uh, had Jesse do that for me a few times actually. So that was funny. Sure. Yeah. Um. Two last questions. Uh, Jane Campion. I have to just kind of come back to her for a minute. Uh, seeing someone like her now at this point in her career, and she, we haven't seen a movie from her for 12 years, which I told her earlier today is not allowed anymore. I need five. I need five-year limit, max. Um, is she at the top of her game? Do you think? I think this is the best thing she's ever done. I mean, the piano is... I mean, yeah. 
Holly Hunter on the piano is like one of the best female performances of all time. By the way. But she's at the top of her game. I feel like you gave her a ton of money and she got to be like, (laughs) oh, look what I can do with this. You know, that's kind of what this movie is to me. It's like, look what I can like put on the screen now. You know what I mean? So it, it does. I feel like this film comes with like a lifetime of incredible films. And I think she, I think. I, I don't know if I'm wrong enough, but I think she, this is probably the highest budget she's ever had. Oh. I think so. So Probably. <laughs> I mean, it looks like it. Our yeah. production design is insane. Yeah. So. No. Just want to point out, by the way, the piano is what gave me false hope that you were going to get Oscar nominated that next year because you were the year after the piano. I know. My acting teacher, when I was little, no. pointed that out to me. Do we? He was like, yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> Uh, last question. Um, we are in a very interesting period uh, in, with the pandemic and variant and all that stuff. I think there's an interesting way for streamers and theaters to coexist. I think streamers, whether people don't want to give them credit or not, saved our lives during the pandemic because we were able to see stuff. <coughs> I mean, sorry, you finished no, your no, question. No, I, I was really just going to say the fact that Roma, like people saw Roma that would never watch a black and white movie. That's a big deal. I think like the indie is alive again. In this other way, my friend Charlie McDowell did a movie with Jesse Plemons. Like, I'm like talking like like <laughs> did a movie with Jesse because I just want to assume yeah. that this Jesse could be Jesse Buckley. Like, no, no, there's some Jesses up in here. So, but yeah, they did a movie together and it was bought by Netflix and they made money and they like got to go do what they wanted to do and they sold it to Netflix and like that's because because they need so much content and because they made something good like it. There is a new generation of indies that are really working because of the streamers too, because they have the money. That's Kirsten Dunst, one of the stars of Netflix's The Power of the Dog, which opens in theaters on November 17th. Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. And we're back. It's the Award Circuit Podcast. I'm Clayton Davis. Simon Rex has been out of the game for a while, but as soon as he received the call from writer and director Sean Baker to take on the role of Mikey, a former porn star, in the new film Red Rocket, he drove three days down to Texas to film the role. The A24 feature premiered at Cannes before going to Telluride and is now hitting the festival circuit and is bringing a lot of Oscar buzz that could bring Simon Rex a nomination for Best Actor. But his time in the business, his past roles in Scary Movie 3, and an unfair label of a former porn star in real life may hold him back from that. Rex discusses some of those unlikable characters that Hollywood just doesn't like to portray, as well as reacting to some of the quote-unquote walkouts that occurred during some of the more graphic scenes during the Telluride screening of Red Rocket. We began by discussing how we became involved with Red Rocket. I was just sitting around. I, I live in Joshua Tree and I was just sitting around. It was in the pandemic. You know, it was kind of the pandemic was still kind of new and it was a weird time. It was um, it was still sort of like, what what's going on? And I and I get a call out of the blue from a friend who's who knows Sean and knew me. And 
she said, hey, Simon, what are you doing the next six weeks? I'm like, nothing. This is a weird, we're in the, the world's ending or something. <laughs> and uh, she goes, you know Sean Baker? I like, yeah, of course. Uh, well, he needs a, someone immediately uh, uh, shooting in Texas. Are you available? I'm like, absolutely. Here, I'm going to give you his number. He sends me a scene to do uh, from the movie. I hit record on the phone sitting right next to me. You're looking at in my kitchen and propped it up. And I just did a cold read of a paragraph from the scene. And he said, I need you to be in Texas in three days. You got the job. You can't fly here because we'd have to quarantine you for seven days. I need you here in three days. So we're renting you a car. Get here right away. And I just had to get there and go. And I had barely any time to think. I just said yes. You did it straight or uh, you stopped? What's that? Did you, did you do it straight or you stopped? No, I got hotels along the way. So it was like, it, it's a three-day drive. It's a, basically, you, you know, uh, get a hotel in, you know, uh, Arizona, then yeah. West Texas. Then, so it was like two nights, three days. But then I got there and it was like they were in pre-production, ready to go. And I just jumped into it and it just was like like that. No time to think, which maybe worked. Yeah, no, I, yeah. I mean, because it looks, it, you fell right into the character. Yeah. So, you know. I mean, let's talk about him. So, like, you know, Mikey uh, has a lot of great qualities about him as a person. Like, he's not a bad soul, but he's just been wrapped up in, in an industry and in a, in a almost like a persona of himself. And he's he, he wants to be that great figure again. Mm -hmm. He's chasing this dream. How did you find that connection with him? Well, yeah, I mean, Mikey, the character of Mikey Saber is, uh, you know, he... He'll do whatever it takes. He'll, you know, it's interesting because that's one personality trait that I never had is to cut heads off to get to the top. And that's probably why I've never made it to the top. I've seen people around me make it very far by having that personality, like whatever it takes to get there. And that's what, who Mikey Saber is. Um, I can relate to Mikey Saber in that, you know, um, I've had, I've been at the top and then at the bottom and wanted to get back to the top again and had, you know, your peaks and valleys and been humbled and getting older, sort of the, you know, the, uh, you get older and you're not as sexy anymore. You're the aging narcissist sort of thing. I, I, I kind of relate to that. I mean, I don't want to say I'm a narcissist, but I probably am because I'm an actor. Mm -hmm. But uh, I relate to the peaks and valleys and, you know, wanting to feel that again. And, you know, and so I really wasn't, I just used my imagination. You know, I'm not like some method actor that did any research. And the only research I did was Sean showed me a guy that this was loosely based on who was in the industry. And he showed me sort of his DNA of how kind of he had delusions of grandeur and how he spoke about himself in the third person and how he would just do whatever it takes and really thinks in his mind, he is the biggest thing in the world. And um, there's sort of a tragic thing to that. And it was easy for me to do because I've seen so many people around me in Hollywood like that. So I kind of just went off instinct, really, you know, and I just made it a real clear objective with each character, what I wanted from them, because Mikey just uses people and rolls over them and doesn't care. And I just made him I just wanted to make him a likable asshole, if that makes sense. OK, because he's if you read it, he's the worst person in the world. So I'm like, well, the audience has to root for this guy and feel conflicted. So let me make him at least a likable asshole. Yeah. So and that's and that's our conflict. You know, as a viewer watching him, like, I hate that. I, 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 I love this dude, but like he's doing like kind of bad stuff, you know, um, looking at it in relation to, to your own life. You know, what 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 did you find in your common ground or the things you had in common with Mikey? Did you see any similarities? Um, the only similarities that I really saw were that, uh, you know, there, there, there really wasn't a lot. The only, th I just made him my 
kind of a, a little bit of, sometimes you could be a little obsequious and Eddie Haskell when you want something throughout my life. I'd always throw on the charm to get what I wanted from somebody or like, you know, make a girl laugh. So I just want to be charming and make him a charming asshole. I'd like to think in real life, I'm not an asshole, but I, I do like to be charming and flatter people and make them feel good. And, uh, I think it comes from a genuine place, but with him, he really is just using people. So there's that, you know, um, Really, there's not a lot of things that, you know, reading it on, and it jumping off the page, it's almost like a persona that I would do as a joke in real life because it's so over the top and ridiculous. And I've done like, it almost reminds me, I had a little music career I did on the side with a character called Dirt Nasty, who's mm -hmm. a real scumbag. The whole character is like he's a Hollywood asshole. So it's kind of a little bit of Dirt Nasty in there, you know, okay. um, which I tap into, but again, isn't me, but it's like, I can access that place, but it's really not me. But it's just funny to me that... There is people like that out there, and I see them all the time. And I think that's also what resonates is everybody knows someone kind of like this, or you knew them in school, or you, you know. Yeah, well, well, that's interesting. But what, what's your relationship to, I guess, the Hollywood business? Because you are a jack of all trades. You know, you, you've acted, you've done music. Um, I, I think you might produce something at one time, right? Uh, like, like a Hollywood yeah. thing? Yeah. I mean, I've yeah. been, I've, I've sold a couple pilots. Yeah. I did a pilot with Todd Phillips. It didn't get picked up on TBS, and I produced it with him. I've done, uh, I've written stuff and produced something on Comedy Central. So I've been on both sides of the camera. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So as someone that has, you know, really played into all those parts, is there one piece of the Hollywood business that you find yourself most attracted to? Is it acting? Is this your coming home, so to speak? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I truly just like to make people laugh. And that's why this movie's fun, because it is a comedy, albeit it's a dark comedy, and there's a lot of heavy acting in it, and there's some serious shit, and there's a lot of uh, high stakes, and, and it's got it's a real, it's got everything in it. I really believe that. But it also has comedy in it, and I get to be funny. And I just want to make people laugh. Since I was a kid, I was the class clown, whether, uh, you know, on social media, I've always gotten to make people's day and people come up to me like, oh man, you got me through a real hard time with your silly Instagram post or your Vine or your music or, you know, uh, YouTube videos or whatever. So I really just want to make people laugh. And that's I, what I feel my purpose is. And yeah, this, I guess this is my, did you say coming of age? That you're coming home, like to, coming to, home. To, to acting. Yeah, because I kind of turned my back on it for a while because I really was working a lot in the early 2000s. And then I went off to do this music endeavor because it sort of presented itself. And I was like, yeah, I want to go on tour with the Chili Peppers who had me and this guy, Mickey Avalon, I was working with. We went on tour in Europe with the Chili Peppers in front of soccer stadiums of people and toured the world. And, and it was my agent would call me and be like, where we have big audition for you. Where are you? I'm like, oh, I'm in you know, Germany with the Chili Peppers. They're like, what? what? Why are you doing this? You have an acting career. So I turned my back on it and left to try something else, just to live life to the fullest and experience everything. Then when I was kind of done with that, it was hard to get back into the Hollywood mix. So I kind of was like, ah, maybe I fucked up, but I enjoyed myself. But like, it's going to be tricky to get back in. So kind of to what claw your way back into Hollywood as an older, you know, not the shiny new guy anymore. Uh, it, it's tricky. Sean Baker called everything changed. So it was a little luck, a little right timing, a little experience uh, you know, I've eat, I've, I've eaten the humble pie. Like I said, I've been there at the top, I've been at the bottom, I've been everywhere. So this is nothing new to me, but this one feels different because of the, the level of sort of where it's at and the people that are watching it and 
It's not scary movie, you know, which was amazing. But I, I love you in scary movie. That I'll hold a ride or die with you to thank you forever because of that movie. Those are great. They're great. I mean, those David Zucker, Airplane, Naked Gun. Those are my favorite kind of movies to just laugh at. This is more like heartfelt, real cinema for the cinephiles. Yeah, you know, that was awesome, man. Uh, my next my next question for you is: Hollywood's in this crossroads right now, in terms of diversity change. I and one that says everyone has a different definition of what that means. And I think as somebody who is half Puerto Rican, half black, people think I'm only talking about color and I'm not. When I talk about diversity, I'm talking about everyone having a shot at the same type of roles, no matter where you are in your life. And I bring that up because you are part of that diversity conversation this year for me, because you're not the conventional Marlon Brando went to NYU Tisch, actor, you're doing a role that still speaks to the human condition, human life right now. And yeah, yeah, you're you're a white guy, but you're depicting a white man from a part of America that never gets their story told. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on diversity and if and if that is true for you as well. Do you see that people are missing that part of the discussion? Yeah, I mean, it was really cool to go shoot in Texas and be authentically in that world of sort of the, you know, um, the, the people that are on the fringe of society. And, and you really realize it's socioeconomic and it's really poor down there. Everyone's struggling, white, black, Hispanic. It's like a real blue collar industrial town. And um, I like that. Those are the best people. You know, it's funny, like living and being from San Francisco, living in L.A., New York, you often sort of, you know, the flyover states, you sort of, there's this weird attitude that, oh, they don't know. And you go there and you're like, actually, these are the best people. And and you realize when you're in it like that, it's really, it didn't feel like it was about race. At least there in Texas, it was about being poor. And that was interesting to see to, to really be in, working in a movie with these people that just had, you know, had got dealt a shitty card. And it was more fun working with them than some entitled egotistical actors that I've worked with. And I'm not saying anyone specifically, but in general, it was just very refreshing. And, you know, I don't know if I'm smart enough to speak to that bigger picture thing that you're bringing up because I, I am, you know, I'm Jewish, but I'm treated like a white person because I got blue eyes and I, I am, you know, Caucasian. But it's weird for me because I'm Jewish. So there's this underlying sort of Jewish angst that I have that my ancestors that that's been passed down to me of my family story. And so it's a weird one for me because I'm, yeah, I'm a white guy, but inside I got the tortured Jewish thing going on. So I struggle with that as a bigger picture thing. And it's sort of hard for me to process it all because uh, for that reason. And, um, there is a big shift happening in Hollywood. And part of that shift I think also is, like how, where's this all going? There's a lot of canceling happening. There's a lot of canceling happening. There's a lot of wokeness. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, and then the word woke started off good and now there's like a stigma to it. And this movie kind of is bringing it all back to like before all this, it feels like an old seventies or eighties movie to me. That's just grimy and real and gritty and doesn't care what Hollywood says. And I feel like that could either really work to our benefit. Some people are going to be like, thank you, man. This is what we fucking needed, some real raw shit. And some people are going to not like it at all. It's going to be very polarizing. And I think that's why Sean did it. 
He, you know, that's an anti-hero. There's not too many taxi driver, bad lieutenant movies anymore that I grew up on where the lead role is in a, a horrible person. But that's, it's just entertainment. Yeah. It's like, it doesn't have to, we're not defending. We're not, this movie doesn't mean we say this is good. We're just showing what's real. It exists. It exists. This man exists. It exists there. everywhere. We don't, it's so... Personally, even if I wasn't in this, I would be watching this movie going, fucking thank you. Yeah. So, uh, is that answer? No, 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 it does. Actually, and it brings me to my next question. You know, there it, it, people reported about it. I saw the film before Telluride, um, so I wasn't there. But there are reports of people walking out of the movie. Yep. And I feel that feeds into the Hollywood stigma that there's elitists who think, like, no, like, I can't watch something like this. But this is this is real life. Whether you want to acknowledge that it exists or not, it exists. So what's your response to those people that didn't give it its proper shake and just walked out of it? I mean, then it's not for them. You know, I watched that happen last night and it was only a couple people, but enough to where like I noticed it. And it could possibly be that, you know, I had to go see a movie the other day, but I had to go do press and leave. So someone might have seen me walk out and been like someone walk. So who knows? Yeah. But I do think that in this case, because I remember watching it last night and the people left when there's a very vulgar scene where I'm talking about very graphically about, you know, uh, oral sex from someone on camera to a girl. And it's it's a it's a very cringy scene. And I that's was the impetus for them leaving. So I think they really did leave because of it. So there's nothing to say to them. It's not for them. You can't like make everyone happy. And I think that's the point. That's what Sean. He's such a genius that he, you know, that's he does. I don't even think he'd care that those people are going to leave because it's not for them. I I would tell them if it was me, uh, sit through it and, you know, it might pay off for you and sit in the uncomfortableness and maybe you need to look at yourself. Why is this uncomfortable for you? Mm-hmm. I think we all struggle with these weird sexual, like, kind of norms in American society that we need to get over. That's very just like part of our, you know, the, the American sort of way of thinking that's like, cause you know, in the movie, there's some nudity and things like that. It's like, Oh my God, they're naked. Oh my God, the sex. It's like, and I think it's time to kind of move on. I think so. Hopefully this movie will kind of be a little, you know, push in that direction. Yeah. Oh no, that's a, it's really good. That's, that's pretty well said. And I think now as you, Look to this next step, right? Next step after this movie. Because you're, you're getting acclaim. People are loving it. It's debuted at Cannes, which is like just bananas. Been a, what has been the difference between Cannes and here doing it at Telluride? Uh, well, I mean, what a different experience each of them are. And they're my first two festivals that I had a movie in. So to go from the Cannes, which was obviously sort of like the pinnacle of where you want your movie to be worldwide to, for that prestigious Cannes, you know, logo on the front. Yeah, we all remember the snub of Scary Movie 3. Yes, exactly. It should have been, been there and Scary Movie 4 yeah. and 5. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I... I was blown away by the French and how much I wasn't surprised that they embraced a Sean Baker movie. They already love him. Nudity to them. It's nothing. They're more comfortable. It goes to my point about sort of the American way or the European way of thinking about sex and these things and sort of interesting to see how, you know, they look at American culture and how Americans are going to see this movie. But the experience was overwhelming. I mean, you know, I really just trying to take it all in. It was just incredible to be, you know, on a red carpet in a tuxedo on in the biggest movie theater, I think, in the world, like 3000 seater standing ovation for like six minutes. I mean, after two minutes, what do you do? How many like waves could you mm. do the crowd? It was it was it blew my mind to have that. I've never got that before. Like 
I've never got love like that before. I mean, sure, I've had people on the street come up, oh man, I love your shit, this and that. That makes my day, that's great. But to have, you know, the French standing ovation blew my mind. Still haven't even processed all of that. Um, and now here we are in Telluride, the, the antithesis of that as far as like sort of the, you know, you don't have to wear a tuxedo, everything's very relaxed. Uh, it's very American, we're in the Rocky Mountains. Both of them have just been incredible experiences because the buzz on the street, which I guess is a sort of a part of the experience, is people coming up to you and and giving you feedback and a response. And it's been overwhelmingly positive. I not just like, hey man, good movie, like stopping you and and having a look on their face saying, I'm still processing. I don't you know, a woman said to me, I needed to go home take a shower, have a drink and smoke a cigarette after this movie is like, that's the best response I've heard. So yeah, it's fuck. They're both amazing. And I think I'm still just kind of processing it all. So I don't really know the final answer, but I'm just very honored and flattered and humbled and happy. It's good, man. Um, I also want to, we're going to keep shaming Hollywood for a minute, but like, I just want to, uh, social media, cause you say things on social media, people just assume it's true. Right. And I remember writing my piece and I see a lot of the responses, you know, how are they going to embrace a porn star? And without even knowing like your history or knowing what that means, and I, I know it, but what is your response to people who put you in that box, which I mean, I, you're not in that box, but that's like the, what they'll use to not embrace your performance or not go see the movie. I would just say, you know, that was 30 years ago and I'm not trying to go in the past. I'm just looking at the future and being in the moment. And this moment right now is so incredible and this movie so incredible and I'm so proud of it and so happy to be a part of it that I'm not trying to like go back and in time to when, you know, I was, you know, a teenager. Life has changed so much. The world's changed. I've changed. I'm looking forward and I think people's attitude towards all this stuff has changed, especially coming out of this last year and a half out of this pandemic, sort of reevaluating, like, what are we spending our time worrying about and talking about? It has been a real eye-opening time for a lot of people. And like I was talking about before with the sort of, you know, ways the, the American way of like, oh, nudity and things like that. It's like, can we move forward? Can we move on? That's my attitude. I don't know if anyone else is feeling that way, but for me, um, I think it's time to kind of grow up about a lot of the stuff because it's just not a big deal, um, personally. No, yeah, but uh, uh, my thing is, why are we shaming? Like, you know, like who hasn't? And listen, I, I don't know how you personally feel about, you know, your your past work, and that, and that's honestly not. I think it's not even my job to to even get you to respond to that. But everyone has something in their past that you know, whether they like that they may not be proud of that people can judge them for, but. Even if you did it, you're not doing it now. Do you not get that opportunity to, to have another life after that? I think that's where I'm coming from. Like, sure, let's pretend it was like, you know, we could say, let's say you were full-fledged porn. So you're not allowed to be an actor now? Right. I mean, we just had like a douchebag president, you know, because, you know, who's a reality. Like everyone has their upcomings. They come from broken homes and, you know, not everyone has it all peachy clean right yeah exactly and you know i think it's also people we, we do this as humans and i'm guilty of it too we kind of put people in a box and label them like you work for a variety and you are uh, you're in the in media and review movies but you're so much more than that i just maybe don't know you more but we just do that we just label and i, I just feel like that's just uh 
not fair to you or to anyone. And obviously I've, I've experienced that and I've been labeled so many different things. I've had so many different personas and careers. And this is like, you know, people are like, this is your second wave. I'm like, this is like my fifth wave. <laughs> I've had so many like peaks and valleys and good and bad. And so many nights staring at the ceiling, wondering what I'm doing. And then so many, you know, um, it, it's been a wild ride to get here, but it couldn't have happened in any, any other way. So if it wasn't for my past and everything I've done to get me here, I wouldn't be here talking to you. So yeah. here we are. That's awesome, man. Good. Good for you, man. Uh, I have to give you the opportunity to talk about your two co-stars, Bree and Susie, who are perfect humans. I, I don't like I don't know if you can ever work with other actresses again because they are just amazing in it. How was it working with them? Again, man, it was this job was it, it it was such an experience to work. Okay, so those were the two, you know, Sean works with professional actors and first-time actors. I've made the mistake of saying non-actors, but in the end of the movie, they're now actors because he gets people that have never done anything before, and then by the end, they're they're actors now because they did so good. And in this movie, Brie and, and Susie play my two uh, lovers, right? Let's just say it's a love triangle of sorts. Um, Brie being from the theater and being a, an amazing actor, like as good as it gets, raised the bar for me so much in every scene that I had to... It's almost like you're playing tennis and if they're really good, you're going to get better. It's like you play basketball with scrubs, you're going to play a shitty game. You play with good people, you elevate your game. It's kind of like that on set too. So I want to work with actors who raise the bar and her being a black belt in acting on Broadway or being a you know theater actor in New York for years. I mean, she was just off the charts, incredible talent. And Susie being a, like her first big project, but being a natural entertainer and being, you know, growing up singing and being an entertainer, her thrown into this movie and how good she did, I, I was really surprised. I thought she was going to need a little more work, but she would just nail every take. And yeah, you, you called it. I can't, it's going to be hard to go after this movie and work with, you know, actors who maybe, you know, have sort of, had a lot of success and a lot of, you know, egos and things. It's I've worked on sets before that are a disaster mm -hmm. and you work with people that maybe you don't gel with and then you got to go promote the movie and you're like, your life sucks because you're going to work with these people that you don't like every day. I love these people that I worked with and as well as Ethan and Brittany and, and everyone else in the movie, they were just so, we, we formed a real deep bond quickly and it was a, a very special very special group of people that, you know, we're all staying in the condos together and we're like a family, you know, and I love them. They're, it's it's it was just such a pleasure to work with both of them. And and they made my job a lot easier. And and also, look, you got a good script and a director like Sean makes my life a lot easier. Like it's really about the script There's you know, the famous uh, uh, Bob Evans line. He's like the famous movie producer. They asked him, what's the three most important things in a movie? He said the script, the script and the script. The script is so good that I don't have to like. It just made it easy for me. I don't know. Yeah, well, you did make it look easy, man, because you do to, to go with it. Uh, last question for you. Uh, it's a kind of a two-parter, but like, what's been your favorite film at this festival that, that you've seen? And who, if your phone rang right now and they said, get on a plane, come here, work with me, do, do a movie, would you get up and go for it? Good questions. I like Come On, Come On a lot. Um, Joaquin Phoenix might be the best actor alive. Arguably, in my opinion, he just never does anything bad. Um, and he blows me away every time. And the kid, I can't remember the kid's name. There was the child in the Woody movie. Norman. Oh, my God. First that, movie. And he's British. 
I didn't know that till afterwards. That kid, that kid was going blow for blow with the best actor on the planet and like stealing scenes. I was blown away and it was beautifully shot. And obviously, uh, Mike Mills is a genius. I got to meet him last night at dinner. Um, you know, he's, he's on the top of that list. But after doing like a movie like this, like, you know, like it'd be cool to go do something with like Todd Phillips calls me. I got to be there. You know, I want to do something like that. Like, a, I want to do some comedies, like some big stuff. I also want to do more indies. Um, you know, it's interesting because I got this little window right now. And for the first time in 20 years, I'm getting all this, you know, kind of attention and I'm getting projects thrown at me and I'm kind of getting to choose what I want to do. Where for before that, I'd be lucky to get some indie movie that goes nowhere just to make a living. So for the first time, I'm sort of in this amazing position where I'm getting to pick what I want to do. And I just want to continue to do amazing indie movies and surprising people. And I want to do some really fun comedy movies. I basically want to be uh, Bill Murray. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you have an answer machine? Like Bill Murray does? Yeah. You know, I'm not that cool. Right, come on, man. I had dinner with him in Cannes. That might have even been better than the seven-minute ovation or whatever time it was. He came and surprised us at dinner from the people from Film Nation, and uh, it was maybe the highlight, of, one of the best times of my life because he was so sweet. And I was actually like nervous. I kept having to tell myself, like, I kept telling myself, act like you belong here. This is Bill Murray. He's because he's the only dude since I was a kid in the '80s till now really hasn't fallen off. You could go through every other actor from SNL or throughout time. It's very hard to have a long, longevity like that. And he's just always doing cool like Wes Anderson movies, and then he'll go do a, you know, Sofia Coppola movie, and then he'll kind of do a studio movie. And he's just does. There seem it seems like nothing could knock him down. So I would that would be the dream path, whatever that looks like. That's Simon Rex, star of Red Rocket, hitting theaters from A24 on December 3rd. And that's it for this edition of the Variety of Ward Circuit podcast. Drew Griffith edited this episode and Michael Schneider is the producer. Be sure to subscribe to the Award Circuit podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you download podcasts. Also, Head to Variety.com and click on the Award Circuit tab to find the latest Oscar predictions and key races, as well as your daily fix of news, analysis, and reviews. For Jazz Tanke, Janelle Riley, and Michael Schneider, I'm Clayton Davis. We'll see you on the circuit. <laughs>